0: of Dr. Movie, the only show in the world that features me and my car. That's right, you thought maybe I was going to say something else, but no, it's the only show that has myself and my car, the balloonicorn, which currently has 224,657 miles on it from driving back and forth to work and playing gigs and all that kind of fun stuff. And wanted to come together and share another movie with you. That uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of the Italian Giallo films, flims, (laughs) no, films. And uh, I wanted to talk about an Americanized version. Um, It's no surprise that Brian De Palma is a huge fan of Italian cinema. You see so much of his of the influences in in all of his flicks, and this one literally is a Giallo. Everything about it is uh, you, you could you could take this and it could have been directed by many of the uh, Giallo directors of the time. You do have the De Palma flair, which don't get me wrong. I I love De Palma, probably my favorite American director. Um. But this is his take on the thriller, the, uh, the murder mystery, the giallo, right? So we're talking about Dress to Kill from 1980. It's a combination of giallo, like I said, and it's got some Hitchcockian things in here as well. Uh, you can tell his resources and I love De Palma's style and, uh, somewhere between Argento's style and De Palma, that, that's really kind of my favorite style of filmmaking. And, uh, yeah, if if we found somebody that was kind of like the two of them together, which, they're both a lot alike. Uh, Argento, obviously, is a bit more graphic with things. Um, now I'm talking about in their heydays, right? Because Argento's kind of, you know, kind of lost his his, uh mojo but come on I mean if, if we lived to be that age we probably would too but let's talk about dress to kill right and uh, you'll see what I'm talking about when I talk about the influences what about this cast right to kick things off you got Angie Dickinson right now as a kid from the 70s Angie Dickinson was a big deal right she was policewoman uh, very popular show. Very big with the uh, women's rights movement of the time, women power, all that kind of good stuff. Not to mention, Angie Dixon was extremely nice looking in those times, right? So, definitely plays the great part in this. You got Nancy Allen, uh, another favorite of mine, right? You, you might know her from RoboCop. You know her from all the De Palma films, right? Because she actually married De Palma. Stayed married for quite a while. You've got the great Michael Caine. I mean, come on. What else you need? You got Michael Caine in this being Michael Caine, right? And another plus for this. Probably, I think it's his first role. I may be wrong. Actually, I... I don't know. Maybe I am wrong here. But we got Keith Gordon in this, which... You know from Jaws Two. You know from Carrie, not Carrie, Christine. Got my <laughs> got my C's mixed up. Uh, so yeah, he's the guy that buys the car, Christine. He was in Jaws Two. Um, you know, you saw him a lot. But he was in The Burning back in the day, right? As well. So uh, this and that's just that's just getting going on the cast, right? That's that's your big heavy hit hitters, right? But this is definitely an early role for Keith Gordon in uh, playing a a young, I guess you'd say teenage, I don't know, 20-ish kind of guy. So uh, let's look at a synopsis here. It says, when Liz Blake, which is Nancy Allen, a prostitute, sees a mysterious woman brutally slayed, homemaker, a a, a mysterious woman brutally mis... Let me start that over, because I'm messing that all up. You know, I'm at a stop sign now, so I can read. When Liz Blake, a prostitute, sees a mysterious woman brutally slay homemaker, Kate Miller, which is Angie Dickinson, she finds herself trapped in a dangerous situation. While the police think that Liz is the murderer, the real killer wants to silence the crime's only witness. Uh, That's all I can read for the time. So, yeah, let's break this down a little further, right? This movie starts off a lot like the beginning of Carrie, right? And these movies are close to the same time period here. Uh, You got Angie Dickinson in the shower uh, fantasizing. I think her husband's outside of the shower at the mirror doing the manly things, right? Shaving and all that kind of good stuff. And she's a... She's a... Daydreaming, uh, arousing herself—I guess you would say—and you kind of get a shock to the system when a guy comes up and grabs her and starts doing stuff to her, even though it's all really kind of in her imagination. She's sexually frustrated, is what's going on, right? Her love life has just lost its its luster, and she's remarried. Her first husband died in Vietnam, but the magic is gone. And she's just not, uh, not happy with the situation. And she goes to Michael Caine, who's her therapist, and starts revealing all this stuff, right? And she even kind of makes the move on Michael Caine, saying, Hey, do you, do you find me attractive? Would you want to sleep with me? And he says, yes. And then she says, oh, why don't you? And he says, she says, or he says, um... Well, because I'm a married man and it's not worth throwing everything everything away. Is it worth for you to throw everything away just for a situation? Which is, you know, very logical, right? Makes perfect sense. So, uh, you know, Angie Dickinson leaves still frustrated. So what do you do when you need to go out and find some strange? That's right, you go to an art gallery. (laughs) That would be my first pick. But, uh... She she gets a little flirty with a guy and uh, ends up uh, having a pretty erotic scene in a in a in a taxi and uh, again this this is why it makes it a giallo right because I always tell you that there's a a sexual uh, thing going on in these flicks right there's there's always a little bit of smut in them and uh, so she's uh just. Totally getting it on with this uh, stranger, and ends up back at his place. And the next day, or next morning, or afternoon, whichever it is, uh, she gets out of the bed, and she's still kind of thrilled by what has just happened because it was something new and exciting. Uh, she decides to leave the guy a note who's still asleep in his bed. She leaves him a note saying, "Thanks for our, I loved our afternoon." And while she's doing that, she sees some papers underneath from a clinic. It's basically saying, hey, Mr. So-and-so, we really need you to come in because uh, it's discovered that you are carrying venereal disease. <gasps> don't, don't, don't. Right? Uh, so there you go. There's the that shock to the system as well. But on her way out, she goes into uh, the elevator and is leaving. She's distraught because of that information that she just saw. And, uh, gets in the elevator, realizes she forgot her ring, plans on going back and trying to get her wedding ring. And when the door opens up, a person steps in and starts slashing her with a straight razor. So the thing about this movie is, is this takes up, I don't know, 30 minutes or so of the movie. So when I talk about the, the Hitchcock influence, this is it. Because you're taking a major star putting them in this situation and you're thinking that you're going to ride this movie out with this character and nope you don't. She gets murdered and uh that gives you a a different kind of feel for this kind of flick so it's the introduction of the Hitchcock switcheroo but thrown into a giallo and I think it works great which leads to Nancy Allen coming out of one of the rooms when the uh the elevator stops and she's going to get on and she sees Angie Dickinson there all bloodied up reaching out for her kind of like what we saw in uh, Bird of the Crystal Plumage kind of the same thing again you can tell where these influences came from that De Palma is using reaching up to her like needing help and the person that's in the elevator is hiding but there's a mirror up in the corner and Nancy Allen can see who's in there and from that point on Now she's being stalked, right? So that's your setup for this movie. And what ends up happening is... The cops are thinking Nancy Allen's responsible for it... Like we said earlier in the synopsis. And... The son... Of Angie Dickinson... Which is, like I said earlier... That's that's Keith Gordon. He's a very... Smart kid, right? He's building his own computer... He's into all kinds of technology... Uh, They make a big deal of of profiling that, which is important because it ties into the story. But he decides that uh, when they're at the uh, police station, he's uh, built a device that he can stick to the wall and hear what they're saying in the other rooms because he's there because of his mother being murdered. And he can hear them talking about they picked up this prostitute who claimed she saw the whole thing, but they think she did it because... She picked up the, the knife after it fell out of the, the killer's hands. And uh, so they they kind of suspect her because of that. But she tries to tell the story. No way. I saw what happened. Yada, yada. Well, she, the prostitute, Nancy Allen, and Keith Gordon's character team up together, just like we do in Oliver's yellows, and try to figure out the mystery because the cops are too busy taking care of other things, right? That's your setup in every one of these movies the unlikely pairing of people who are pretty much defenseless on their own. So, I mean, how many prostitutes get killed in movies, right? But yeah, the threats start coming in, the killer's coming after her, and that's what we have from there on out. And without giving out too much away, um, it escalates and comes to a really cool ending. Uh that's all I can say, right? I can't <laughs> I can't talk anymore about it because it'll ruin everything. But uh, if you haven't seen this movie, Dress to Kill, uh, you're missing a gem of a movie, right? And this is this could be the best way to get into Giallos because it's Americanized, right? Uh, you get a better sense of dialogue, they spend more time explaining why things happen like they do versus what the Italians do, which is basically a a sentence, <laughs> right? You get a you get a 20 second explanation of why the whole thing happened versus here it is drawn out throughout the movie of why these things are happening. So, uh, this may be a good gateway to get you into the rest of them if you haven't checked out any other Giallo stuff. So again, me. Americanized version, it's Brian De Palma so you know the the shots are going to be amazing, it's going to be a great, you know, well made film, especially in this time frame, he was just batting a hundred, right I mean, he was really starting to hit his stride at this point, so uh, to me this is a, it's a four out of five, right it's not my favorite De Palma film, we already know that's Phantom of the Paradise um There's a few other that I like better than this. I really like The Fury, or Fury. Um, I really like, uh, I really like Carrie. And this one's right there. I really like Blowout, too. Which I need to do Blowout on this show for sure. But uh, this is a very solid flick. It is 100% giallo. Got some great twists and turns. It'll keep you guessing. And uh, the scenarios that Nancy Allen goes through her character goes through are a bit more relatable, I guess, because they're Americanized. You know, there's a scene on a subway that uh, is pretty intense, and and, uh, there's so many dangers, right? It's not... It's one thing to just deal with somebody trying to kill you, but when you're living in, you know, New York or wherever you're living in, it's a, a busy, you know, area, there's all kinds of threats, right? So... It's just another thing to look out for. So, uh, I think it's really interesting. It's a well-made film. Like I said, four out of five. Highly recommended. As far as getting into murder mystery movies, it's, it's one not to be missed. Uh, and it's dealing with some subject matter that really was not talked about much at the time, and uh, is a lot more relatable now, when we see how society has changed and where we're heading. And uh, r- really. Dives into a lot of stuff, and that's kind of what I've always said about Argento too. He was kind of that way. He wasn't afraid to push buttons. He wasn't afraid to have uh, gay, you know, characters in his stories and stuff. Back in you know the early '70s, just about every movie that he made back then has has a character that is, you know, gay, which you didn't see really much in, in stuff back at that point. Uh, so this one kind of deals with subject matter along those lines as far as. You know, things that's considered taboo, I guess, at the time. So, again, there's no doubt this is pulled from him watching all the Italian giallos, the Bava stuff, the Argento stuff, and pulling out his Hitchcock, you know, ideas as well, and combining them into making a fantastic movie with a stellar cast. Uh, it's a must-watch, folks. Uh, really. it's It's just that good of a movie and uh, hope you enjoy it. So check it out, let me know what you think and until next time folks we will check you later.